Well, after that very short moment of music and worship, um, you already got a sermon, right? From the Holy Spirit, Spirit led. That was not rehearsed, just so you know. I think you figured that out. And uh, what, a, what a wonderful, fabulous worship team we have, huh? Praise God. It's, uh, it's not easy to hang with that kind of impromptu stuff. You know, you have to be in one spirit. You have to be in one mindset. You have to be set together in order to move together like that. And uh, I'm very grateful for that in our house. And we want to pray more in, right? Some more musicians, we want to pray them in. Get a few more in here playing and worshiping. Those of you who are online, welcome. Say hello to our friend Frank all the way out in California. Everybody say, hi, Frank. He gets up early, like at 6 a.m., his time in the morning, in order to, uh, to worship with us. And then we have people on, on the other sides of the earth. Say hi to Bishop Vincent. They're listening. Hi. They're watching. Bishop. And uh, we've got people spread out all over the place. We have a wonderful lady in Fort Lauderdale who uh, stays in connection with us. Another one in Texas and a few others there and there. Somebody in Canada. Some other cities. Paula in Iowa, right, Iowa. Iowa. I just saw a commercial on TV for Iowa. They were making it look really nice. I might have to go there. I didn't realize they had all the beaches they showed in that commercial. I didn't, I didn't think Iowa had beaches, but maybe I'm gonna learn something. Um, maybe maybe it's, it's a, a real-time virtual screen beach or something, but we'll, we'll figure it out. But bless you all, thank you for being online with us. I wanna just cover a few quick points. Um, how many of you know that yesterday was uh, Passover? Passover, first day of Passover. And uh, we understand, you understand, that Jesus Christ was sacrificed as the Lamb of God on Passover. Uh, if you go through the Synoptic Gospels, looking especially in Mark and Matthew, Luke, and then in John, what you'll find out about the the uh, crucifixion of Christ and that leading up to it, there's many correlations and each one of them helps to fulfill it a little greater. And there was no intention of actually uh, murdering him on Passover. In fact, we're told by one of the scriptures in Mark that they did not want to do that. The Jewish leaders didn't want to do that because there would be a moral outcry from the people and they didn't want it to cross over into Passover. But uh, it couldn't help itself because God had ordained it. And uh, by the time things had sped up and moved into moments, um, Christ was, as you know, captured in the garden, taken to Annas, who was the father-in-law, to Caiaphas, who was the high priest. The high priest rotated at that time. And uh, so it happened to be that Annas was the father-in-law. Now, we're not sure why he went to Annas, but uh, Annas ruled that he, was, he needed to go further on into the praetorium, into the hall of judgment of the Romans. The reason they did that is they wanted to keep their hands clean on Passover so that they could have Passover. So they passed him off to the Romans. And uh, Pilate was trying to get rid of him multiple times. He said, I really don't find fault in this guy, but I don't like him. But he won't answer my questions because Jesus was smarter than he was. And he kept saying, are you the king of the Jews? And he'd say, as you say, and he would come back, are you the king of the Jews? Because the only thing they could convict him of is not by saying that he was God. They didn't care about that. 
because all kind of people in that time said they were gods. The Greeks had gods. The Romans conquered all kind of places that had all kind of gods. Gods didn't matter to them. What mattered to them was that Caesar was supposed to be sovereign. So what they were what he was concerned about, are you saying you're king? They're saying that you're the king of the Jews. Some are saying as you came in that you were the king they've been waiting for. Who do you say you are? And he never would say it. So Pilate was sort of stuck and he whipped him and he scourged him and he gave him off to the Roman soldiers who hit him with the palms of, and the fists of their hands. Uh, they, they put a, a purple robe on him and then took it off, put his own gown back on him You'll find out when you really dig into the word, very interesting, that that outer coat, that outer coat that Christ had, had no seams in it. So it was woven as one piece. That was very peculiar. That was done by the most wealthy people there ever were. So somebody wove that gown for him without one crease, one seam in it. They put it back on him. And that was his robe, and that was his coat that they took. Interesting, you fast dial at the bottom of the cross, when they ripped his clothes off of him, it says they were parting his garments, but not the robe. They parted the other things into four parts. But that they drew lots for, even as it was said prophetically would happen, because it was such a special robe that they didn't want to cut it up. Somebody got that very special robe for him. Now, in my own opinion, I think it was probably someone like Simon or Lazarus or somebody who was very wealthy that had been healed and raised again, and they bought him a coat. How many of you know that, you know, sometimes um, people bless people with a, a new suit, a new gown or a new something? Uh, that's a way of respect. I know in the Spanish community that's still done with pastors. They buy them suits. They give them a new suit. So this goes all the way back to that. We understand that Christ had a, had a uh, kangaroo trial, and he came out of that trial, and he was given to the Jews. They didn't want him because they said, our law won't allow us to kill this man on Passover. But you go ahead and kill him because he's saying he's king of the Jews. And then what, what happens is Pilate has a thing made that says king of the Jews, and he says it in three different languages, right? Says it in Greek, he says it in, in the Roman language, he says it in Hebrew, and the Jews say, take that off because he's not our king, and he said, it is as I say. Pilate was a bit prophetic and didn't understand who he was and what he was doing. Pilate's complete hypocrisy was about truth. He was trying to figure out truth. And Christ said, I am the truth and the way of the light. So Christ is crucified. Christ is put on the cross. And we understand that as we, as we worshiped and as we received that insight to what happened, all of the sin of eternity was liquefied into that moment. How many of you know that eternity is, swallows up what is finite, right? What is infinite swallows up what is finite. And so eternity swallowed up that moment. It swallowed up in that moment and spread out. And all of the sin, all of the sin starting with Adam all the way to the last breath of man or woman, whenever that is here on earth, before glorification, was poured through that soul of Jesus Christ. You can envision that as a big spiritual sponge, just soaking up all the sin, all the gruesome sin. It's incomprehensible that one soul could contain so much sin. It only could be the Son of Man, the Son of God that could do such a thing. So yes, it is 
Amazing that he was able to sustain on earth 33 and a half years with never sinning. He who never sinned was made sin that we might be made the righteousness of God. No sin, all the souls, all the sins of all the souls poured into that one soul called Jesus Christ. Now, we're very clear. Some people have a hard time with it. I don't want you to have a hard time with it. I want you to be theologically sound. The scriptures, you see, some people want to spit and chew scriptures out. So what happens a lot, especially in Western theology and in religious mindsets, is that it sort of is like the, the New Testament trumps everything in the Old Testament. So if we want to consider it differently in the New Testament, we can just spit out those things of the Old Testament. No, Christ said, I haven't come to destroy that law. I've come to fulfill it. And everything, every word of God is infallible. Is that not correct? So if we want to start picking and choosing what's fallible and what's not infallible, we no longer have a gospel. We just have philosophy. We have the rudiments of man, which he tells us, do not, do not uh, worship and become to. But there's very clear a scripture, very, very clear a scripture that says the soul that sins must die. The soul that sins must die. There's a sentence upon the soul that's not redeemed. It must die. And that die isn't physical death. Every person is accounted to die physically here on earth. But if you're born again, you're only accounted to die the one time and never again. You will die physically, but you will live forever. And so the soul that sins, the soul that dies in sins, it must die. And if it's dead in sin, there's only one verdict, and that's hell. There's nothing in between. Interesting enough, today I told my wife, I said, I'm so confused, because I had something on very early. I was watching one of the networks that we serve and help out with, and they had a speaker on, I won't tell you who he is, very well-known speaker. And all of a sudden, I thought I, I had to go back and listen to it again, but I heard it right. He said, paradise is the next step to heaven. I said, what? No, no, there's no such thing as a paradise. He said, but there's no purgatory, but paradise is the next thing to heaven. People get confused because they don't understand the word of God. And this is a teacher. Beloved, there is no other step to heaven just like there's no other step out of hell. It's heaven and it's hell. You're either born again and saved in Jesus Christ or you're not. You're not gonna be kept in paradise like the souls were until Jesus Christ resurrected from the dead. It tells us very clearly in scripture that he preached to the spirits that were in paradise. And what he preached to them was, come on, let's go. You've been saved. All you have to do is believe in me. And boom, many who were captive were taken captive. And we saw that the scriptures tell us some of them came out of the graves alive from the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So we need to get it set in our mind that this is our opportunity for salvation. This is our opportunity for redemption. This is the moment. This is the time. This is what Jesus Christ died for, and that's for you personally, and that's for me personally. Now, I always had a hard time with the personal part of it. You know, when I first got saved and I was a student of, of, of the Old Testament and was devouring the New Testament and the Gospels as fast as I could, day and night, and cross-comparing and studying, and I had so many books and things driving myself nuts, and I would have people knock on my door and they would hand me something and they would say that Christ died for you personally. And I say, how did he do that? That was 2,000 years ago. He didn't, I wasn't alive. I, how could I have sinned? I wasn't born yet. Right? 
But then I finally got the revelation and the understanding of the eternal moment of Jesus Christ. He is yesterday, today, and tomorrow forevermore. And so only he could liquefy all that sin and take it from the beginning of time to the end of time. Only he could have all of that accomplished with the eternal consequences and, and the suffering and the judgment of sin paid for in that time between the, the sundown of Passover and resurrection Sunday morning. Only Christ could do that. It's amazing, it's incomprehensible, but it's true. So first and foremost, what I'd like to do is ask you if you're watching today, or if you're here and you've come because you feel the tug of the Lord on you, or you're gonna be watching this week, however it is, I wanna give you an opportunity to seize this moment. And some of you may say, you know, I just know that I want to reaffirm myself in Jesus Christ. It's okay to reaffirm. How do you know, how many of you know that it goes all the way back into the Old Testament? How many of you know that the Jews would do mitzvahs and they would sing? Baptizing wasn't invented by John the Baptist in the New Testament. That was a form of a Jewish rite and they would be totally immersed and brought back. And we understand the pool of Siloam, when that began to stir, they'd become running in and whoever could get there fast while it was stirring and immerse themselves, they got healed. So we understand that we could reaffirm our faith. We can understand that it's, it's not being a, a hypocrite to reaffirm our faith. I can tell you right now, every time I go to Israel, almost every time, I'm asked to go down to the Jordan and baptize people. Whether I arrange it or not, I get asked to go down and baptize people. And typically what happens, I begin to baptize a few, and then a whole bunch get in line, and my wife has to start pulling me out of there after a couple hours because I'm drenched and soaked in the cold water of the, of the Jordan, and the, and the Jordan's cold, and they got little fish that nibble at your feet the whole time that you're there. But I tell them, the fish have to eat too. So it's okay. And uh, sometimes what happens is, especially my, my Catholic brothers and sisters, and especially those from Central America or Northern Europe, they, they're in buses and they're doing tours and I don't know who they think is down on the water. They must think it's the, 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 the new John the Baptist or something, but they get in line because they think it's part of the show at the Jordan and they want to get baptized. And so they're coming in and you're just baptizing them and baptize them. You know, I don't have the heart to say no, but what do you think I do? The very last person that gets baptized in that water again is me, is me. And the power and the Holy Spirit comes upon me each time as if it's fresh and new. So there's never the wrong time, and there's never too many times to renew ourselves in Jesus Christ. It's a renewal. It's very Jewish. Now, we're celebrating Passover also, aren't we? And Passover was a horrible thing. There were 10 plagues. The Jews came out of slavery after 430 years. The blood of the lamb was put over the posts. We understand that that was deliverance. That was being set free. And so that's why uh, it, was, it was a lamb. The most innocent thing that we know about on earth is the lamb, and the lamb of God was the same. And so we celebrate Passover, we celebrate Christ, both the resurrection of the lamb and the lamb that took away the sins. And by God's grace and by God's accountability, the two merge. And now we have people suffering all over the earth, people that need to be set free from sin, people that need to be set free from the, the cruelty of, of men and women, the cruelty of governments, the cruelty of the evil one. We wanna be those who celebrate resurrection power. Resurrection power. 
Paul made it very simple, Philippians 3.10. And this was his prayer. This was his proclamation to you and I, that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, conforming even unto his death. If we conform to his death and we're baptized with him into death, then we are resurrected with him into life. And if one sense, it's as if we're recalling that. I want to just touch on this before we say a prayer, and, uh, and then we'll be just moving towards the end of the service. I was, last night, in the middle of the night, I was asking the Lord to give me an example of how I could best explain eternity merging with what is finite, immortality merging with what is mortal. How do I explain that so that somebody can just grasp it? Because it took me a while to get it, and I preach it and I teach it in our Leadership Institute. I've been presenting it deep and deep and deeper. And uh, in that instance, this is what I want you to grasp if you can. Eternity goes on and on and on and on and on and on and on. Life without end. There's all kind of names that we can plug in to understand eternity, right? Immortality, never ending, forever. Uh, but eternity swallows up time. Because time and everything that's in time is in eternity. God is eternal. There was nothing made without him and everything made is with him. So he has ownership of time. How many of you know God owns time? Time doesn't own you. God owns time. If God owns time, he's got you in time. You understand that? You are not measured. You are not determined by time. God determines your days. He counts your days. He knows your days. He knows everything about it. So time is a moment, and eternity swallows that moment up. Here's what I want to share with you. I had a moment, and I want to bring you back to Saturday. Between the crucifixion and death of Christ, Friday before sundown, off the cross, and the resurrection of Christ, which best we know, Sunday morning. He was found out of the tomb, and I believe it was in the light, the glorious light of Sunday morning. Saturday was a bad day, wasn't it? Saturday was a bleak day. Saturday was a sad day for those who had believed in him and had ex expectations and hope. Saturday was a day where it was as if a wet towel had been thrown upon all of the faith that had mounted and grown in those three and a half years with him, starting with the baptism of John the Baptist to prepare the way in the desert. So how many of you are right now experiencing a Saturday? Or how many of you had? Or how many of you believe you will again where it looks as if everything that you had piled on for your faith and your hope that you had built upon is somehow being challenged and tested and just may not, just may not be your hope and expectation. You're a little shaky. You're a little weak. You know, sometimes bodies get tired. They get weary. Sometimes faith gets tired and it gets weary. But there's a way to be restored. We know Saturday was between what was a bad day and a very bright day coming on Sunday morning. I've been there. You've been there. I don't think there's one person here I could ask, has anybody here never had to experience something that was so horrific, so shocking, so tear-jerking that you thought you couldn't make it? Is there one of you here that could say that? Maybe somebody really young like 
my little grandson, Franco, who's dressed so nice walking around out there, not walking, being walked. His bad day is a poopy diaper that needs changed. But for him, it's a bad day till it happens. I've been there. Some worse than others. But the Lord has always got me out of them, and he, and he does you too, and He will, or you wouldn't be here. Some of you came today because you're saying, I, I need deliverance, I need to be set free. And here's what the Lord reminded me. Now, you've probably heard this testimony, but I believe some of you need to hear it again in light of this revelation of eternity going on forever. And when Paul said, stop sinning as if you crucified Jesus Christ again, this takes relevance to that. Because you can affect eternity by what you do now. Because eternity is forever, and you're in time, and time is in eternity. You can affect the eternal God by what we do now. Both good and bad, consequences to everything that we do. Everything has a cause and a reaction to that cause. That's the laws of nature, the laws of gravity, that's the laws of the universe, it's a spiritual law. Let every kind bring forth its own kind. Set it off in Genesis. But I told you, and I'm gonna abbreviate the story. I'd had an issue with my ear, ear and my head, it was this ear. And um, very typical, you know, it went on and on and it got worse and worse to the point I couldn't even sit in the services that I was conducting at uh, El Rey Jesus. Six, 7,000 people worshiping, music. I had to literally plug my ear, and even that wasn't enough because the vibration was causing me so much pain. I would have to bite my lip through it. Sometimes I would make an excuse as if I was going to the restroom to get out and to come back in. And I kept believing God. I don't know what this is, but I'm believing you, God. Heal it, heal it. It finally got so bad that I said, I've got to go at least find out what I'm, what I'm fighting here. And I never said a word to my wife, never said a word to anybody, never confessed it, never confessed it. I wouldn't accept it. And I went to the nice Jewish ear doctor that was close to my office in Doral, Florida. And uh, he put me through all kinds of tests and looked in my ears and took x-rays and did all that stuff. It went on Audi tests, all kinds of things, tapped on my head, looked in here, looked in my eyes, did everything. He was an eye, ear, and nose specialist. Came highly recommended, been in the trade for 30 years. People told me, that's the guy to go to. So I go to the guy, comes out and gives me a, a diagnosis. He says, you got a tumor growing in your head, it's getting big. It's starting to press on your optic nerve. It's already pressing heavily on your auditory nerve. We gotta get it out. You can't stop these kind of tumors. He said, I don't know yet if it's malignant or not, but we can't wait. We got to get it out. No matter what it is, we got to get it out. And he said, I just want you to know that I'm going to use a young surgeon because his hands are better than my hands now. And I want to bring him in in a couple days. And I want you to have a pre-op with him. And next week, I'd like you to go get the surgery. I said, really? He goes, yeah. I said, I don't have one. He said, no, you have one. I said, no, I don't have one. He said, I can understand you're in denial. I said, to that I agree with. I deny it. And he said, but you understand that if we don't get this out, you're going to go blind and you're going to lose your hearing too and we'll probably have to cut more of your brain out. I said, really? He goes, yeah. I said, it's not going to happen. He said, well, in order for you to have this meeting with the surgeon in two days, I want you to get an MRI tomorrow. 
And I said, okay. And he says, and the MRI is right below this office downstairs. Now he's Jewish, so I'm figuring he's trying to increase the, the guilt a little bit. You know, we're going to get a little bit of extra funds in here. But I'm okay with that. I didn't have insurance, but that was all right. I said, okay, doc, let's do it. I show up, and this is the oldest MRI left in the United States. This thing looks like a coffin. I'm looking at it. They got, got to stick your whole body in there, right up to this with your head. My nose is this close to the end of it. They put this little microphone that's up in there in case you panic to get you out. And the nurse comes, a nice lady or the technician, whatever she was, and she begins to try to terrify me. She begins to tell me, this is saying, whatever this is he wants, this is 52 minutes because this is pre-op. We have to do everything as if you were getting a couple of them. She said, most people, in fact, nobody I know I've ever put in here for 52 minutes. If you want, I could delay this, put you in a nice modern one that stands up and somewhere else. I said, now let's get it over with. And she said, well, I said, how long am I going to be in here? She said, 52 minutes. I said, do you have, a, could you get me a bottle of water? Yes, I could do that. She goes out. I begin to pray over the room. And I begin to bind the demons in the room and those voices I was beginning to hear that wanted to horrify and terrify me and scare me. She came back in and I said, let's get it on. And I go in. And she says, now listen, all you have to do is say, get me out and you're out of here. And she said, I will break in and start talking to you. I said, you don't need to, but that's fine. She said, well, I want to tell you what's going on. I said, float your boat, whatever you want to do. In we go. Sure enough, all hell starts cankering at me. And for the next few minutes, I don't know how long it was, I could hear the cackling of hell, which I've heard a couple times in my life. I could hear the mockery. I could feel the, 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 the terror and the fear trying to come upon me. So I did the only thing I knew how to do. I began to pray in the spirit. She said, are you okay? I said, da, 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 da. yes, yes, yes. Don't, don't even pay attention to what I'm doing. I said, you'll make no sense to you, but whatever you do, don't take me out. Are you sure? Yes, yes, yes. Please don't interrupt me anymore. I'm praying. I'm praying. I'm praying. All of a sudden, no more fear. All of a sudden, I don't hear the cackling anymore. And in the spirit, I understand one thing I'm praying is, Lord, get me out of here in the spirit. Take my spirit away from here. I don't care how long you keep my body in here. Take my spirit out of here because you're eternal. This is a moment. I begin to pray that way because I'd received that revelation just that year and was teaching it. Take me out. Take me out. I want to be where my Jesus was as he resurrected. Take me out. Those were my prayers in the spirit. Next thing I know, I'm not in there anymore. I can't tell you about the body and everything else, but Frank, the spirit, he's somewhere else. And it's very dark. And I begin to look down this big tunnel and down at the tunnel, I could see Jesus. I didn't see him in, in the brightness of Jesus, but I knew it was him. And I could see that there were things that were hovering over him and cackling him and that cackle of hell that I'd heard. And I began to pray down into that tunnel. And I said, my Lord, come up. My Lord, come up. Leave my Lord alone. I was praying and praying and praying. I really was able to see that moment of eternity of Jesus suffering for sin and hell. It was terrible, but yet it was wonderful. I can't explain it to you because I already knew the end of the story. I already know we win. And I felt so blessed of God to be trusted, to be put in that moment to pray down that tunnel. Now, I'm not telling you I was the only one. There had to be millions of souls praying in heaven and above. 
but I thought. And then all of a sudden, I hear, and my spirit comes back into my body. And she said, sir, I don't know who you've been talking to and what you've been saying, but it's time to come out. I said, okay. Out we come. She goes, you're glowing red. Did something happen to you in there? I said, oh, yeah. I said, you wouldn't believe it if I told you. She goes, oh, my God, I hope I didn't hurt you. I said, I don't think you could. And I said, no. I said, I saw Jesus. She began to weep and cry and began to confess her sins to me. She was Catholic. She began to tell me, I said, whoa, 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 stop right there. Let's just pray that you see Jesus. And I prayed with her. She went away. The next morning, I went to the surgeon. Nice young guy. And I hear them talking, and they're talking, and they're talking in the next room. And the older guy's saying, no, look at the x-ray. But look at the MRI. But, but, but look, at this, look, at, look at the symptoms. Look at the... He said, this, this, this doesn't make sense. So he comes into me. He says, well, he said, I have to tell you, you're not going to have surgery. I said, I told you that. He said, there's no tumor in there anymore. It's gone. It's gone. Within two days, on the cross, Saturday was a bad day. Sunday was victory. That's for you too. That's for you too. I don't care what you're facing. I don't care who it is. Believe God right now. Believe Him right now. And don't Whatever you do, don't confess the problem. Deny it. Up to the last second, deny it. Jesus, Jesus was down in that hole, but Jesus came out. And with them comes you. And whatever is on you or your loved ones, as long as they can have a little bit of faith in Jesus, is still down in that hole. Jesus didn't take the diseases out with him. He left them there. He didn't take the sins back with him. He left them there. He didn't leave your depressions and obsessions and your problems down there. He brought them here. He didn't leave bad eyes down uh, up on earth. He took them down there. Bad ears down there. Tumors gone. That's your Jesus. Eternity swallowed up that which was mortal and if the same spirit Romans 8 11, if the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you then he shall perfect your mortal bodies that's the word of God that's the word of God Romans 8 11, put it right on your soul put it on your forehead write it into the palms of your hands Put it in your heart. Believe it with Jesus. Let's pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're online, you too as well. If you haven't accepted Jesus, this is your day. What a better day than Easter Resurrection Sunday on April 17, right? 2022. Wow. You'll remember it forever. It's an eternal birthday. Or you haven't quite been working right and you know things aren't right. You know you've had one foot across the line of 
what you shouldn't be doing and your other foot planted right. And if you had to paint your color right now, you wouldn't say it was, you wouldn't say it was hot and you wouldn't say it was cold. You might say it was lukewarm, your temperature and your color gray. And maybe this is your time to say, Lord, let's get it a reset. Let's start it all over again. And by the way, there's a scripture, John 5, 15. Ask for the soul that has not sinned to death, that you can call your brother or your sister, and I will give you that soul. It's a good time to do that as well. Lay them on the cross. Go to the Lord with them. Father, forgive us our sins. Wash us clean, O Lord. Father, help us to to renew ourselves and reset ourselves, Lord, and, and that we resurrect as our Lord, as you did on Sunday morning. Let us resurrect this Sunday morning, Father. Let us resurrect and renew and restore and become vital and vibrant again in the things of God. Let our passions be excited and let our hopes and expectations be renewed and set afire. Father, we thank you that you raised your son in the glory of the Father. You raised him in the spirit of glory and he was raised by his own words. We thank you, Father, that God incarnate and God eternal has us in your hands. Father, forgive us our sins. Forgive us, Lord, for we know not what we've done and if we know what we have done, Father, then forgive us even more. Thank you that your mercy endures forever and your grace sustains us, Lord. Thank you that we are saved in that grace, Lord. Thank you, Father, that we can be restored and renewed. Now, if you're inclined with me, every head bowed, every eye closed, I'd like you to just say the simple prayer and online as well. Say, Father, forgive me. I believe in Jesus Christ, my Lord, the Son of Man and the Son of God. He was sinless, but yet He died on the cross. He died for my sins. He descended into hell and paid my price. He resurrected on Sunday morning. He was seen of hundreds, and He ascended into heaven, where He sits forevermore. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Jesus, you are my Lord. Take control of my life. And Holy Spirit, come into me with a freshness, a newness, and with resurrection power. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Give the Lord a hand. For only he can do what he has done. One last point. Isn't it interesting that on that third day when Jesus Christ arose, it was the day of first fruits. God has it so lined up, doesn't he? Paul tells us in Corinthians that Jesus Christ is the first fruits of our faith. Jesus Christ rose on the first day. Now the first fruits typically were a, a, a cluster of barley. And they would bring that because that was the first thing that would come out of the harvest. 
How many of you know even here that in the country, in this country, that's one of the first things planted is barley because it comes up fast and it comes quick. And so it's a harvest. Sometimes farmers can get a couple crops in and get a barley and a different crop because it comes up fast. So they would come to worship with the barley and bring their first fruits, which would say to the Lord, you already provided for me, but I want to give you the best and the first of what I have because I know you're going to provide more for me. It was a covenant with God. Jesus Christ was raised on a day like this over 2,000 years ago as your first fruit. This is an opportunity for us to sow our first fruits. Don't miss them. Don't miss them. I want to share something else with you. This is for many of you. This is for many of you. Some of you whom I've just spoken to about it. I don't say things lightly. I don't just want you to to feel like, you know, we name it and claim it and we have this prosperity uh, gospel and that we can just engage and disengage. That's a whole different deal. But this I can tell you, that this house, from the top down and the bottom up, is immersed right now in the favor of God. I can assure you that. I can tell you that I'm seeing the favor of God move like I've never seen him move before. Not only in my life, but in this church, but in your lives. I've seen many of you with the windows of heaven open and the Lord just saying, just sow into that window and watch what happens. I've seen some of you sowing and that harvest is beginning to pour out. And something good about seed. When you plant good seed, good seed multiplies seed. Let every kind bring forth its kind. So you can't use up your seed. You plant that seed and it comes back tenfold and fiftyfold and a hundredfold. We can work so hard to, to go and find that which we're trying to gather when it's right in front of us to plant. And if we keep planting good seed, the harvest, harvest is never over. Doesn't matter what the weather is, doesn't matter what the economy is, doesn't matter what's happening all over the world or what's happening in your own neighborhood. When you're planting your seed, you are in a special place. And something's happening in this house. Now, I didn't realize it till my wife told me. This, today, is our 10th anniversary in this church. The first service we held in this place, right here, was on Easter Sunday, 10 years ago. Now, you know what 10 means. It's a completion and a new start a completion and a new start. And here we are coming into our 10th year and the Lord cancels debt. The Lord prepares us for new things. The Lord gives us new opportunities, new businesses, new creativity, new ideas, new restarts, fresh starts. Yeah, some old stuff's got to pass away. Don't worry about it. Let it go. How many of you would rather to keep wearing your old underwear or get a new fresh pair of underwear, huh? Let me make it as blunt as I can, right? Don't tell me you don't wear any. I don't want to get that visible. I'll take you to the store. I'll help you buy some. It's good for you and everybody else around you. Let the old stuff go. Let the new stuff come. So, put your first fruits before God. Believe God for it. I could probably say this like almost nobody could say it. The church doesn't need your money. 
You hear what I'm saying to you? Church doesn't need your money. We're not asking for tithes and offerings because if you don't give it, we're going to shut our door. No, 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 no. You don't have that power. You can't supply our needs. They come from our God. You're not paying any salaries here in this pastoral staff because we don't have any. God has supplied and provided and he will. But I'm going to tell you something. You want to sow into the favor of God, you sow into this house. Watch what happens. Because the anointing is flowing. Top up, bottom down. We're in a time of new beginnings. We're in a time of new creativity. We're in a time of God multiplying. We're in a time of God releasing debt. We're in a time of God making miracles. We're in a time where God is transitioning, transforming, and repositioning what we're doing as a house and as a ministry worldwide like nothing, nothing I can explain in total words. I not only sense it and feel it, I see it every day. Every day I'm watching the favor of God pour out, and every day it does one more thing, makes me more grateful, and I walk more in the fear of the Lord because I don't want to blow it. I don't want to blow it for you. I don't want to blow it for me. It stops from the top down. It's requiring us to be holy and pure, believable, transparent, honest, honest, and committed, committed to God. I'll tell you, you do those things, you meet God in that level, you're going to have a year when this year comes to a close and we're talking about this next Easter, your mind's going to blow. You're going to say, wow. God moved just like that. So if you'd like an envelope, put your hand up. We'll hand them out. Keep your hand up until you get one. If you're online, you can give online. And thank you for those who do. And everything that we're proclaiming, you already know, falls upon you and blesses you. So many of you have told me that I can't believe what's happening in my life. I Lord told me to sow this and all of a sudden it happened. You know, a couple years ago when we were running real short, we got a, we got a, a $5,000 gift, I think it was, Patty, from a foundation in California. I didn't know who they were. I tried to find out who they were, and they said, you can't. It's an anonymous foundation. People give to it because they want to remain anonymous. And I said, well, who can I thank? And they said, thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. That's how good your God is. That's how good your God is. And by the way, that was when I didn't have a job, had no income, never quit tithing. There's people here who could tell you what on my credit card. Credit card getting bigger and bigger and bigger. I said, oh boy, this ain't making sense, but Lord, I'm believing. And then the flood tides of heaven open up and they pour out. Pressed down, abundant, overflowing, so much you can't contain it. If you're online or you're here and you want to give, you can go to www.touchheaven.com. You can text 330-845-6005. Mail, many of you mail, Touch Heaven Church, 10 Skyline Drive, and it's free on Amazon. Just leave that up a moment if you're at your home and you say, boy, that's a lot. Just take your phone and take a quick picture. That's what I do because I can't remember all this stuff. I just take pictures of stuff. Then I can't find it on my phone anyway, but that's my fault. That's my fault. Bless God. And I want to pray over your, your offering today in a very special way. And when you guys have it, just, just bring it up here, please. Put it in one basket and, and bring it here. Bring cheer. Thank you. Uh-oh. Up from the grave he arose with a mighty 
triumph for his. You see, we just, what did we say? Mixed. They just mixed the offering. Abundant. Pressed down. That was good. Good for taking the lead, Brother Jim. Mix it like a salad. Good. Well done, faithful son. Father, we just thank you for this. We lift and offer this up to you, Lord God. And we ask you, Father, to honor those who could give and those who couldn't give equally. Father, we dedicate this to you. It's no longer currency and paper, but it's incense and blessings to you in your throne room. Receive it, Father. Use it as you shall. That which you entrust with us, let us be good stewards. Let us make a difference. Let us make an impact, Father, not only here, but in the continents that you give to us and the people that you give us and trust us. Be blessed, O Lord. Be blessed in your house. Receive these first fruits this morning. Lord Jesus, thank you that you are the first fruit of all for us in our faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, one last thing. If you really, really say, I've bought into everything this morning, I got it. I got it. And you've been holding on to those promises and those miracles. I'd just like you to put your hand up right where you are. And I want to believe God one more time for resurrection power in your body, in your life, and in the miracles of those you're believing for. That you might know him in the power of his resurrection. There's power in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that same spirit that raised him from the dead dwells in you to quicken your mortal body. Not only you, but the Lord says, those whom you ask for, I shall give you that soul. Pray for them. Bless them. Bless yourself right now. Receive it. Receive it. Really believe it. Receive it. You're in a house of faith. I know I've got faith. I've got faith to believe. Let's have faith and agreement right now. Right now, right now, right now, right now, released upon you and in you and from you. Let your words this week be powerful. Speak to all those that he puts in your way that have a need. Declare the victory of Jesus Christ in that need. Do it this week especially, this week of first fruits. Let it be the first fruit of your faith. Bring many, many by your words. Not only to the Lord, but let them see the miracles. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, thank you. Bless you. Be with us. Oh, Jesus, we do worship you and thank you for this resurrection day. Father, go with each and every person here. Let the residue of the holiness go with them and the power of the resurrection go with them. Every step that they take, Lord, is holy ground. Let people that they come in, in company with even today say, oh my God, what is upon you? And let them be able to flow with that anointing, with, with the courage of the gospel of Jesus Christ, no matter who it is. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. amen. God bless you.